What's up? I'm Adam. And I'm Robert. And we're here today with this new episode of Upfront. Yes, and just like every week, Adam, we start these things with an asking for a friend question. And I know that you're a little unprepared for tonight, so I'll just get right into my asking for a friend. And it kind of deals with the topic that we're going to talk about tonight. So my question is, should I conform my content to an algorithm to stay popular or continue to do my own thing? Asking for a friend. Conform your algorithm. My content to an algorithm. Oh, oh. To remain popular? Yes. Or just keep doing your own thing? Yes. You know, I think I would tell this friend to uh, keep doing their own thing. Okay. So even if it means that they're losing all the support that they have from certain things, from certain, like maybe like an organization that's paying them, they should keep doing their own thing. If that organization's telling them to conform to this algorithm. I would say do your own thing. If that's what you feel led to do, then you need to do your own thing. Awesome. I love that. So I'm going to be upfront with you right now. This question was one that I made up, but I'm sure that several artists out there ask this question daily. What prompted this question is there was a video that my buddy sent me called The Problem with Christian Music. And I thought, who better to talk about the subject with than a worship leader such as yourself? And why not make it into a podcast? Hey. So I also want to preface this by saying that the only research, and I put that in air quotes here, that I've done on this is watching this video. So if I say something and it's like, that's not entirely true, well... We're pointing out the flaws in this dude's video. So what so. you're saying is you're 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 very educated, you're well versed in this subject. Oh, amazingly, yeah. Oh, okay. You shouldn't doubt a word okay. that I say about awesome. this. Awesome, awesome. That's what I was gathering. Right. So but watching this video really intrigued me. And this guy started off with the premise, okay? He said, if anyone should be creating creative music, it should be Christians. And he begged the question, if we believe in such a creative God, why doesn't our music reflect that? So, were you aware that there was a problem with Christian music? Well, you know, I think it comes down to personal opinion, uh, if you want to title it a problem with Christian music, because I think everybody has their own opinion. And I really think that's all it comes down to, is a whole bunch of opinions. And we know what happens when you get a bunch of opinions together. So, I really don't know that we could really stamp a label on that, like, big red outline problem with Christian music. I think it's all a matter of opinion. Okay. I get that. I get that. So at one point he says, when I look at Christian music, I don't see a ministry. I see an industry. I don't see creativity. I see conformity. I find it interesting how every song sounds like the last, the same beat, the same message. What do you think of that statement? I don't disagree with that statement. I I would say... How do I word this? You got me out of left field here. I know. I'm trying. That's what I try to do with you this. You got it, man. But I, d- I did prompt you. I sent you the video beforehand. Yes. So, so I, man, I would say, re- read it one more time. Okay. He says, when I look at Christian music, I don't see a ministry. I see an industry. Okay. Stop right there. Okay. Okay. So I don't see a ministry. I, I see an industry. I would have to agree with that. For the most part. Okay. Because a lot of your mainstream music out there that starts within a Christian label, if you will, like, I'm going to name drop here, but let's take uh, Lauren Daigle. 
Okay. Okay. Phenomenal vocalist, phenomenal everything. I don't know if anybody follows her on Instagram, but the chick is hilarious. Like everybody's like doing these filters and doing all this stuff and it's got to be just perfect. And she does the most ugly faces you've ever seen in your life just to poke fun at the people who use all these filters. So if you take somebody like her, a true artist who, I don't know if you've ever been to a Lauren Daigle concert. I have And this is not a Lauren Daigle plug, I promise. But she comes to mind when I think about this topic because she has church everywhere she goes. I mean, you you are there worshiping, and she just happens to be in the room and vice versa. So I would say that style of music, the way she does it, the way she leads it, it is true Christian music. It is true worship music, and I would say that is a ministry. But then you take other and the majority of, of Christian music, and I would label it industry for sure because it's it's not – People aren't writing these songs to sing in the local church. They're, they're writing these songs to, they say they're not doing it to make money, but if you're copywriting, searching for labels, putting it out there, sending EPs, doing all these different things, you're searching for something. Now, I understand claiming your own. I get that, and I would do the same thing. But how far do you let that go? You know, you can't give everything away for free. I, I understand that, especially in today's society. And I think that simply is what's turned it into it's labeled as an industry. So I, I think it is for the most part. And that's that's sad. It's understandably sad if, if that's even a correct right. term. And if you could read the last half of that question. Yeah, so the last half of it, and you kind of touched on this, but it's he says, I don't see creativity, I see conformity. Which, you know, sending out the EPs and stuff, that's what a lot of like mainstream media producers yep. do is they send out all this stuff trying to get the copyrights. And then he said, I find it interesting how every song sounds like the last, the same beat and the same message. And, and so does. to kind of, to kind of go into that, I guess the next, cause the next question that I have on here is, you know, just like a yes or no, do you believe that all Christian music has the same message? I believe that people claim it to have the same message. Okay. Uh, I, I don't believe that it all does have the same message. Okay. Like be, being a worship leader, there, there are some songs out there, popular worship music that people are in love with, but I choose not to do. And I simply choose not to do it because maybe I don't agree with it theologically. Maybe I don't uh, agree with the fact that this song is not talking about Jesus. This is not talking about our relationship with Jesus. It's, it's not a vertical. It's not a horizontal. It's not a prayerful. It's not a rejoicing. It's more of just let's sing about singing. And, and, and there's actually a song out right now that, that everybody's in love with, and it's growing on me, but it's got one line that repeats nonstop about sing a little louder. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and it's yeah. a great song, so don't judge me on this. But I, when I first heard the song, I was struggling with it because standing in front of a congregation on a night of worship, a, a song like that would work. A song like that on a Sunday morning where you're, you're not spending time getting people fired up to be there, where you're just taking people right into the presence of God in the best of your ability, sing a little louder just doesn't sound like the lyric to take me there. You right. Know, I'm just, it's like telling your buddy, yeah, sing a little louder, bro. You know, I just, I don't get it. <laughs> like, I know there's going to be a lot of haters on that, but I just, I, I'm not on the same page as that. Whereas there's other people that look at it and they're going to say, I totally disagree with that. 
So this all goes back to the whole opinion thing. Right. So, I mean, I like that you bring that up because that's one of the points that he makes is um, with worship music, we have the opportunity to basically, um, what did I have here? He says that we have nothing more creative than to repeat the same lyrics over and over. And the example that he uses is a song, it's called There is a Cloud by Elevation Worship. And in that song, 10 times they repeat, we receive your rain. Right. And that's the majority of the song. So the same songs that he says after that, the same songs that we use to worship an unpredictable God are really predictable. And so I thought that was an interesting point. I'm glad that you brought that up, you know, because like that was actually one of the things that I was going to kind of leave off of this. But I'm glad you brought it up because I got to go into that a little bit. So one thing that he pointed out is that Christian music seems to slowly be taking an avenue of moving towards the mainstream music, right? Like the example that he uses is Mercy Me's song, Shake, where you got to shake, you know, whatever. And Taylor Swift, Shake It Off, right? It's almost the exact same song, but with like a different, like one of them has a Christian meaning behind it. One of them is just the exact same, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what do you think about that? Well, uh, I, I think that Christian music versus secular music isn't the only ones guilty of that. Okay. Because, and it's funny that you bring this up, because the other day I put two songs together uh, in my mind. I'm strange. It's okay. Put them together in my mind and realize, wait a minute, I'm listening to the same song by two different artists from two different decades. Really? If you ever, if you ever heard, if, if you've ever heard the song "Always," people used to do it uh, in in church a lot, but it just kind of became one of those dated songs. The intro to that song is the exact same intro that David Crowder uses today in Red Letters. Really? It's the exact same. Hmm. I heard it and I was like, "Wait a minute!" So I, I think the point in this is you can't create something out of nothing. Eventually, things are going to be repeated. Right. You know, they say history repeats itself. Well, you you can only create so many different things with four chords. You know, we're we're not jazz artists. Do you know the difference between a jazz artist and uh, a classical guitarist? No. So classical guitarists have. Um, I got that totally backwards. Oh. The difference between jazz music. And country music. Okay. The difference in jazz and country, I have no clue. So in jazz music, they play about 50,000 notes to about 50 people. Country music, they play about three notes to 50,000 people. Okay. Right? Yeah. Okay. My point is simply that you can't keep reinventing something out of nothing. So it's going to repeat itself. So when you look at Christian music versus secular music, yeah, they overlap. A song like Shake with Mercy Me versus Shake It Off with... uh, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not into country lingo. So, yeah, there's a lot of similarities there. And I guess it kind of tells you who their influence is. No, I'm just kidding. Right. No judgment here (laughs) on Mercy Me. Exactly. Um, So after that point, the creator of this video, he points out that following the blueprint is, and to quote him, a risk-free guarantee of a consistent supply of hits, right? So following that blueprint of like what the mainstream's doing, 
gives you that risk-free guarantee and that many Christian radio stations will pass on music that contains, air quotes, controversial lyrics because of the possibility of losing their ratings and losing their listeners. It's almost like they're passing on every risk, but isn't that what we're supposed to do as Christians is step out on faith and take those risks? That is... That's deep. It's deep. I know. I know it's deep. It, it, it is. It, it is. Uh, that is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to step out in faith. But at the same time, I think there's a lesson much larger to be learned in all this where you either step out on faith, do something different, or you do what's working. And in the local church, you have to do what's working. For example... You may be able to go into one church with a full band and do elevation worship every Sunday and everybody gets into it, everybody worships, and attendance begins to grow. But there's another church that might still have just a piano player and the elevation style is not going to work for them. Right. So which one would you say, Robert, is stepping out on faith? I mean, I wouldn't say either one of them is... I mean... The thing is, is like, so stepping out in faith would be the piano player trying that elevation stuff. Right. But. Is that just going with the flow of, of where the industry is going? Again, yeah. No, that's exactly right. You know, is that going into that route? You yeah. know, versus like the elevation group, like maybe it's instead of them doing that music, they start to like simplify down things. But I feel like nowadays there's a trend to churches trying to simplify things and trying to minimalize things. Well, and so it's almost like a double-edged sword. You, you made a comment while ago on something you read about this guy that posted this about the Elevation song where it says 10 times we receive your rain. Right. It's funny because I actually watched a video on how that song came to be. Okay. And it, the lyric actually started, it didn't say we receive your rain. It was different it was different categories and possibilities of what it could be and and it started out as something as simple as rain on us or rain down on me or okay. or holy spirit come down or something like that where i think they took a very simple uh picture and painted that picture they they created a a what i think to be a fantastic metaphor because if I stand there and I'm singing repeatedly, we receive your rain. I'm going to get lost in that. We receive your rain. We receive your rain. We receive your rain. I can't do that with sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. You know, and it's not about, for me, I'm not a deep guy. It's like every song that, that I do, it does not have to be theologically deep. Right. I just need me and the congregation to be able to connect with it. So you think that um, basically the simpler Christian lyrics often hit people the deepest, or at least in your experience? I think that if you're talking my experience, yes. Okay. Because there's a lot, and, and I can only relate to, to churches. I can't relate to the artists out there touring the country, you know, the Winter Jam guys and all that. I, I can't relate to that. I can only relate to what's going on in the church and... I receive a lot of stuff from other worship leaders, different songs and stuff that they say, man, you need to try this in your church. It is so on point. It is so right now. And I listen to it and it's so wordy. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I have a hard, I get lost in that, I guess. Cause I'm a simple guy. Right. I get lost in that. So my personal opinion would be, I'm going to shy away from the wordy songs. I'm going to shy away from the, 
this is going to sound horrible, but the really deep theological songs, they're great and I have no nothing against them and I love a lot of them. But for me to do them continuously in a worship set for me and the congregation where I serve now, it's just not a fit. Gotcha. And I think I think as a leader, I think it's important that you, you can recognize that because you can't do what don't work. Right. Because it don't work. Yeah. So like you said earlier, maybe saving those kind of songs that maybe don't work and using those as more of like a worship night kind of Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Like putting those more like deep theological songs where people are going to be coming who understand Jesus, who want more of Jesus, instead of doing it on a Sunday morning where that could be a brand new person that comes in Absolutely. and just gets lost and like, wait, why did that say that? Why did that say that, you know, it's the blood of this and that? Like, I don't want to be dealing with no blood. That's cult stuff yeah. here, you know? Yeah, I mean, you, you, have, you have congregations that the majority is built where the people come in and they want to be led in a story. They want that. And those leaders need to do that. And then you have those that don't want to be led in a story. They just want to worship alongside of you. And and, and I am, am willing to conform to either one, but it's just a matter of where are you and what works. Awesome. I I really like that answer. You know, it it makes a whole lot of sense. Um, so kind of moving back towards the area of this video, uh, one thing that he mentioned is kind of like whenever – artists come out with controversial topics or maybe like they say in an interview something that's controversial they almost get blacklisted by christian radio right yeah. the example that he uses is the band or group gunger i'm sure you've heard of them beautiful things oh yeah yeah, yeah. um apparently they were huge up until word got out that they believed that god created the world earth world earth they're the same thing. Yeah, okay. I know. And my brain just like paused there for a second. So until they believe that the earth was created through the Big Bang Theory at God's word, right? So one of the things that that kind of like struck me is, is, you know, are there really Christians out there that are that close-minded that it had to be this specific? Like, who's to say that it wasn't God, let there be light, and then Big Bang Theory happens, you know, like that's one of those things like are Christian artists really being cut off from that because maybe they believe something like that. I mean, he points out, he says, so long as we believe in the same God, the same gospel and the same Jesus, shouldn't that be all that matters? You know, if you truly believe the same gospel, right, then, yeah, it would be all that matters. Yeah. But I even have issue with the fact that they they believe in the Big Bang you know, everything right. happened at once because the Bible clearly states on day one, he created this. Day two, he created this. Okay. It didn't happen in one, you know. Gotcha. It it, it, it would happened over time. Now, over seven days. Right. But it clearly states that. So yeah. for, for them to be blacklisted, do I think it's a bad thing? No, I don't. And I, I say I don't. But my question is, who came alongside them at that point? And I think that's where my heart goes. Okay. Like, yeah, okay, you believe this, and they were we're using the term blacklisted. That's we just yeah, it's just pulled that one out of thin air, but yeah. uh, uh, not so known anymore. Right. And do I think that's right? No. Do do I agree with the fact that if they were going to be a very popular Christian group, that they need to get the gospel straight? Uh, yeah, they do. So yeah. my question would be, who came alongside of them? Right. And and I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. 
but because seeing a lot of that, a lot of that, like you know, question in my brain, because like my thoughts are is like you know when God said let there be like there's a big explosion that happens right and everything yep. starts to like happen and like that's the period when like the seven days start you know yep, and yep. i i'm unaware that the big bang theory is apparently it exploded and bam everything was there yeah you know a ball of combustible gas right <laughs> and so like On diesel brothers. my thoughts for the longest time my thoughts were why can't we believe big bang theory and that like why can't the big bang theory have happened and like that's when seven days started you know but if, i didn't know that it was all at once there it was you know yeah but that's crazy. Okay. Again, we all have opinions. Yeah, exactly. No one truly knows. Right. And I would say what opinions are like, but that's not appropriate for this podcast. I totally agree <laughs> so, and respect that decision. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where he ends the video is just talking about, like, those groups. And, like, one of the things that kind of came to my mind is, like, you think about, and, like, kind of like the opposite of Gunger, like, you think about, like, Mercy Me, right, in the song I Can Only Imagine, yep. right? How, like, deep and, like, heartfelt that song is. And now the kind of music that they're writing is, like, the mainstream kind of And, like, when did – my question would be, like, when did that shift happen and why did that shift happen, you know? Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't really know. And I think they've just evolved where they wanted to be in the music industry. And I, I'm not here to say whether they claim to be a ministry or not. But in my personal opinion, it seems they have went down the music industry route, like we started out talking here. Right. They went industry versus ministry, and, and they, they definitely took a right-hand turn on industry. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's not like they're doing anything terrible. Right. You know, ministry is not for everybody. Yeah. You know, you, you look at a lot of different artists, like I already said, uh, Lauren Daigle, uh, I believe is ministry-focused. Uh, you take an artist like Christian Stanfield, who is now the, the full-time worship pastor at Passion City Church. He's not just the big Passion Conference worship leader. He is the full-time worship leader there. Uh, my favorite of all time, just their music's great, and I've never met the people. I've seen them live, but I like what they do is Shane and Shane. I like some Shane and Shane. I, I, I love me some Shane and Shane, but, on, but even further than their music, it's what they do. They raise up worship leaders, and that's what they devote their time to. They're constantly raising up worship leaders, raising up worship leaders, and that is a ministry right there. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a one purpose focused ministry, as far as I know. I don't know everything about it, but they they are focused on what they're doing, and that is is the path they chose. Mercy Me chose. The path of industry. Shake, shake, shake. They chose to shake it. Mercy me chose to spread it. Or Shane and Shane chose to spread it, you know. (laughs) But whatever, to each his own, I guess. Right. Yeah, well, so this is, we're kind of getting real close to time based on my clock here. Um, Is there anything else that you want to add, like, to this? Any other thoughts, ideas that have sprung up from you from talking about this? I I would just uh, simply want to wrap up uh, what I've said. And kind of put a disclaimer out there that this is just my opinion. Right. And if you're listening to this and whatever style of music you do in your worship service, I just urge you as, as leaders and worship leaders and, and staff members and whoever else, just church goers, uh, really try to tune in to what's working, what's not working. And everybody needs to be on the same page there. You can't do the same four songs four four weeks in a row and the place is just dead. Reckless love. 
Oh, now, now <laughs> see, now you've opened another one. Let's talk about reckless oh, love God. for a second. <laughs> I didn't think I'd open this door. Let's let's talk about reckless love. Okay, again, personal opinion. Right. And I think this goes with uh, going with the flow on my part. It is a great song. It is a great song. Right. But why in the world did such an amazing songwriter choose Reckless to describe Christ's love? Because it chases you down and fights till you're found. You're quoting there's, the song. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Come on, Adam. The song tells you why I he did not realize no. that Robert was a lyricist for this <laughs> for this song, but no, I just, it is a fantastic song. That that is a gift that God is blessing with is lyric memorization. I have to hear a song maybe three times before like I have the lyrics pretty solid. It, it is a fantastic song. It it really yeah. is. Right. Uh, and, and I have done it in churches, but again, in churches that it works. Right. And I'll just leave it right there. All right. Well, we'll that let it marinate good. right there. There you go. All right, well, that's all the time we have left for today. Um, I want to thank you guys personally, and I know Adam extends this thank you for listening to us. We finally got approved on iTunes, so check us out over there. Subscribe to the podcast. Um, This has just been an awesome experience. And Adam, what do you want to close us out with tonight? I want to close us out with a question to you, Robert. Oh, gosh, okay. Now, this is deep. Okay. And everyone listening, I want you to think about your answer as well. You're given a choice between four colored ink pens, purple, blue, yellow, and green. And you're told to sign the Declaration of Independence. What do you do? <laughs> like, which one do I choose? What do you do? I mean, I wouldn't be alive today if I was told to sign the Declaration. Are you talking about like modern day, like sign Today. It. They like pulled it out of the case and everything. Right was, like, sign it. John Hancock right here. I would probably, and this is just like the like reckless person in me. I would probably scribble out a name. See that that there goes that reckless thing, right? Yeah. And see exactly. what I would do is refuse to sign it because I swear I'd be set, being set up and I'd be going to jail. I didn't think about that. That's why you're smarter than me. Got him. Mm-hmm.